pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny, episode 189. Today I'm going to chat with Evan Todd, discuss the executive actions on gun control, highlight the XSC microcompact weapon light from Surefire, and talk about a Georgia man's final paycheck. I'm your host, Ava Flannell, and Evan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. You might be my first guest that is also in Colorado. You're not in the same town as I'm in, but I got to say, for once we're having nice weather, it actually feels like spring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful outside where I'm at. I don't know. It's my favorite time of year. Yeah, definitely. I think it's 70 where I'm at, and I don't care. I'll take it. Yesterday, again, it was a nice day, and so I went to this restaurant that had outdoor seating and I was drinking and wearing my winter coat, but I don't care. Spring is here. (laughs) Even if I'm wearing my winter coat, I'm just going to be outside drinking. But yeah, I don't know. There's nothing, nothing better than a patio in the spring with the warm sun and cool breeze. And some vodka. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. All right. Before we get into the show, I wanted to talk about Smith and Wesson. I'm sure you're familiar with Smith & Wesson, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Do you have any favorite gun that they make or anything like that? My preferred carry gun right now is actually the Smith & Wesson MMP 2.0 Compact. Oh, nice. I have that gun. I think it shoots really well. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, I like the the grip, the texture of it. It's not overly aggressive, but it definitely has just a nice grip, so it doesn't feel like it's going to slip out of your hands. For the size, it doesn't have a lot of recoil. And I shoot it really well. Is it the newer one where it's optic ready? No, I got this a couple of years ago. So it's not optic ready, still iron sights. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, got, I got the one that's optic ready and it's just a game changer. I would definitely recommend checking that out. They have all kinds of stuff. They just came out with the Shield 9 Plus, which yeah. is basically the shield, but it holds more ammo. And they're coming out with a bunch of great concealed carry guns. So definitely check them out. That is at smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew on deconstructing the industry. Evan, you are a survivor of the shooting at Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado which happened April 20th, 1999. Tell me about the events of that day and what happened to you. Yeah, so April 20th, I mean, it was very similar to the day like today. It was just a beautiful day, normal day. I was in the library right around lunchtime when we heard some gunshots and explosions. And they're outside the building at first. At first, it didn't set in what was actually going on. But after a few more rounds were shot, I knew that there was gunfire and and then it just kept getting closer. They they made their way into the schools and we heard the shots in the hallways and some pipe bombs going off. And then I was looking around a pillar out the door of the library when one of the, the murders walked through and he caught 
a glance at me because I was the only one standing up still. And he came in, he lowered his shotgun, fired around. And as he was doing that, I jumped and was hit midair and got hit in the lower left side of my back. And he fired another couple shots that went over my head and blew shrapnel back into my face. And that's when they came into the library and and everything that happened in the library happened at that time. They walked around, they would shoot people at random, they would throw pipe bombs, they would ask people questions, they would yell things, they would shoot people execution style. What questions were they asking? They asked, there was a girl who was pleading and praying out to God saying, you know, oh my God, oh my God. And they asked, why do you believe in God? Why? And they would mock people. There was Isaiah Scholes, who is a black football star, that a player that would was in the library, and they, they mocked him because of his skin color. And there was another kid who had frozen just sitting in his chair, and they, they'd shot him. And as he lay dead on the floor, they mocked and laughed at what his body looked like laying on the floor. I mean, Jeez. you know, the things that they said and the things that they did were horrendous. They, you know, even at one point after the God comment, they yelled in anger. One of them said, I am God. And then there were other times where they were hooping and hollering like it was a sport match. They were, you know, they were having a good time. And at one point they even said, let's put down the guns and start knifing people. And so it was about seven, eight minutes of complete horror as they made their way around the library. Wow, that's crazy. I was in Colorado when this happened, and I remember hearing about it. And I think, for me, this was the first time that I'd ever heard about a school shooting. Obviously, it's not the first one to take place, but at my age, and I just remember, I think our school went on lockdown. I think a lot of schools, even though obviously Littleton, Colorado was maybe about two hours from us, I think everybody just didn't know how to react to it. And I think we all went into the gymnasium and they had a meeting and it's just crazy. Yeah, it really was. It was a turning point for what happened. And and, the, and the, there's, I think, uh, many reasons for it. But, you know, I had, I had heard of one school shooting before Columbine happened. And I was a Boy Scout growing up and there's a magazine, Boy's Life, that they send out to the scouts. And I think it was six months or maybe a year before Columbine happened, there was a story of up in Seattle, Washington, a kid brought some kind of deer hunting rifle to school to kill people. And he had fired a few shots and hit some people, but it was an Eagle Scout who ended up tackling him. And his story was in Boy's Life magazine. And I remember reading that just shocked, like, why would anybody think to even go do that, for mm -hmm. one? And two, I was impressed with what the boy the eagle scout did in that moment and i remember thinking back like you know that just it changed my thought and i just it was something that i never thought was possible until that moment and then little did i know six months to a year later i would be in one of the most public mass shootings the world has seen mm -hmm. and how old were you when this took place i was 15 i was a sophomore okay and what were some of the things that went to your mind when all of this was taking place? Well, you know, a lot went through my mind. And I, I remember, like I said, when they came into the library, I was the only one standing up. And it was for two reasons. 
there were two doors exits to the library and because of the gunshots it sounded like gunshots were coming from everywhere mm-hmm. and i had a fight and flight response so i felt you know everyone was getting under tables and chairs and desks and i felt trapped if i did that so i wanted to be able to run or fight if something happened and that's why i was standing up you know everything changed when i was staring down the barrel of a shotgun but that was the first thought that was going through my mind and then as everything was unfolding in the library i remember thinking i was really hoping for some kind of intervention whether that was you know law enforcement or some you know some swatter police officer came in and confront these two to stop them or or even something insanely divine that could just end it in the moment i mm-hmm. remember praying to god asking for it to stop and for protection and, and so you know there was a lot of emotion and i remember my adrenaline just going insane and then you know each moment changed up until the point when they eventually did come back around to where i was at i was hiding under a librarian's desk at that point and they came around and one of them saw me and pulled the chair out from underneath the desk and he knelt down and put guns to my head and asked why they shouldn't kill me and there was a conversation but i essentially at the end told him look i've been good to you and everyone in the school and you know it and his facial expression changed and he stood up and he turned to the other murderer and he said you can kill him if you want and the other one didn't reply they looked at each other for a minute and they eventually decided to go down to our commons our cafeteria and that's when they left the library and that moment was i was the last person to ever speak with those two before they ended up coming back to the library and committing suicide wow and did that take place when you were still in the library no so when they left the library i stood up and I remember it being smoky and I looked out across the library and it was just still. I didn't see any movement. I saw some bodies and pools of blood and I whispered, I said is anyone alive? And then I made my way out. What I later learned through the investigation was at that time the fire alarm was going off. There were people who were crying and screaming but my hearing had shut off. Mm-hmm. Um and so I thought it was dead silent and I didn't even recognize that until later but I ended up making my way out of the back end of the library outside the school and through a myriad of ways made my way home but when we all left that were the people who were still alive when we left that's when the two murderers came back to the library and committed suicide Wow a few things come to mind one when you're thinking that man I just hope something there's an intervention cops show up we automatically go back to that moment where in the movies cops they're right around the corner there to save you and it was probably a pretty harsh reality that there wasn't it was everyone out for themselves to a degree because there was no way to really protect yourself yeah i'd imagine that that's got to be really just a scary thought it was and it was it was eye opening and it was something that i internally debated for a long time afterwards and in fact i was even involved in a lawsuit suing the jefferson county sheriff's department because of their actions or inactions that day eventually that lawsuit got thrown out of court because of precedent of law enforcement has no obligation to protect you mm-hmm. and 
I was 15, 16, maybe even 17 at this time when this was making its way through the legal system. And I was just upset that nothing was done. And I swear some of my friends who died in the library would have survived even if law enforcement had gone in a little sooner to get them to medical care. That was really the point of what I was angry about at that time. And it also made me realize that, yeah, the judge did make the right decision in this case. And and it is, it's your own personal responsibility to protect your life. And that's another reason that our rights are so important because if we allow these rights to be taken from us, then we allow ourselves to be at the hands of very horrible people who do have intent on killing and murdering us. And that's, you know, like we've seen just recently in Boulder, Colorado, they come from all walks of life and ideologies. But fact is, is there is evil in this world and it's your responsibility, you know, unless you can carry a cop in your pocket, you better have a gun in your holster. So Mm -hmm. it's your life. You have the right to live it. Yeah. I think a lot of us, it's hard for us to fathom that kind of evil in the world. Because even as you're describing the murders, I refuse to say their name, but even as you're describing their actions and reactions, it just kind of gives me sort of goosebumps, sort of just this really creepy feeling that somebody could be that numb to hurting somebody else. You're absolutely right. And it's something that I also realized after the fact was we live in one of the greatest, safest, most prosperous, well, the greatest most prosperous, safest society the world has ever known. And I think that's largely due to the rights that we have and the way that we can protect our lives. And so we live in this safe world that a lot of people discount the fact that there is evil in this world. And as I moved on through school, I realized that governments make these two murderers that came into my school, they make them look like Boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. The atrocities And the murders that governments have gotten away with in the past is awful. And so it should be a constant reminder to everyone that there is evil in this world. And we should not only guard against it, but do what we can to make sure that that doesn't grow. Mm -hmm. Make sure the hearts and minds of America does stay on the right path. Yeah. Going back to the shooters, did you know them? I know you mentioned that you told them that you'd never been unkind to them. But did you know them that well before all of this took place? No, I mean, I, you know, Columbine was a big school, 2000 students. I had seen them before. I recognized their face. I didn't know them by name before this day. And I had only had a brief passing a few weeks earlier in the hallway. It was, I think, during a class time. But they, the two of them were walking down the hall and I passed them. And I remember just kind of giving a head nod and they kind of nod back and they were talking and they kept moving on. But I also, I knew that they were part of the Rebel News Network, which was like our, you know, internal news high school paper and video program. And I was a varsity football player and wrestler. And so I had this, you know, this feeling that they knew who I was just because they had reported on and done all the those types of events. And I was a jock. So I thought that they at least knew who I was if I didn't know who they were. And they might've known the same way I knew them by they'd seen my face, but didn't know my name. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. I know there was a lot of people that came out with theories, like the only reason why they started shooting people is because initially 
two bombs were supposed to go off that were planted in the cafeteria, but it failed to do so. What are some of your theories as to why they did this, the motives, if they initially, it's hard to believe that they initially weren't planning on shooting anybody when they were obviously armed. But from what you describe, I would say that they definitely had the intentions to kill as many people as they possibly could. Yeah. But I don't know. What do you think were their motives? So, you know, I think their motives, they were filled with hate and anger. And they had, for years, fantasized about the most evil and wicked things. I think they chose, there was a narrative around the jocks bullied them. And that's the thing that that frustrates me the most because, you know, I'm not saying Columbine's perfect and it wasn't, but it also was a very good school. You know, it's, it's one of the few schools that I saw, especially at the time where, you know, the jocks got along with the band guys and the skaters got along with all the jocks and the stoners and everyone was, I mean, Columbine was very close knit between the different cliques, if you will. It wasn't very as divided as some people may think, at least from my point of view. And these two were more misanthropes who really separated themselves and they idealized, they loved Hitler. Some of their writings that I learned later were about being bullets and they wanted to, you know, they just, they loved death and destruction. So I think they went down this path that really led to the ultimate destiny that we saw at Columbine. And I think it was just a slow process that they really talked themselves into it. But getting back to the bombs and all that is, yeah, their their original plan, they made some pipe bombs, they put them in there on timers and they didn't end up going off, but they wanted to kill as many people as they wanted. And they had studied other school shootings and other events. They actually borrowed from other people before them and also literature. They made these pipe bombs. They wanted them to go off and they wanted to shoot any of the survivors that came out. They later, this is written in their their own words. They wanted to shoot up the streets as they left the school and through the neighborhoods. They wanted to hijack an airplane and fly it into buildings in New York. You know, and this is in 1999. Now, they borrowed that from a Tom Clancy novel that was written in the mid 90s, but they really did idolize death and destruction. And I really think that's one of the problems in our society that we still see these incidences happening is because people have no respect for life. They have no respect for other human beings, you know, the people who do these things. And I think there's also you know, these two murders at Coleman wanted to be famous. They wanted to be known. And I think that runs true all the way up until today. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm going to take a quick break and talk about SB Tactical real quick. I just picked up a few of the BAAX 1913 brace adapters. They mount to the standard AK pistol under the grip without needing to drill or tap the receiver, which is pretty much right up my alley because I've been dabbling with tools, but if I could avoid using them, why not? I just got out my Sentry Arms PAP, which actually had my very first SP tactical product on it, the Gen 1 SIG brace, as they were known back then. I swapped the 1913 brace adapter on it so that I could use the triangle brace, took literally less than a minute. It looks and feels great and just so much more like an AK is supposed to now. Definitely recommend checking out their stuff. They just make awesome products. 
and including some that really take within minutes to change out. Head on over to sbtactical.com if you find something you like. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15 and that gets you 15% off. Okay, that happened 1999. And then what happened afterwards? I'm assuming you continued to go to school at Columbine, which I'm assuming that had to have been hard. Had to have been hard going into specific rooms and not having flashbacks or remembering certain things, probably for a bunch of people. Yeah, it was difficult at first. And (laughs) I don't want to make light of the, the topic, but it's funny. Every time people ask me that question, you know, they say it must have been hard going back to school. Well, for me, it was hard to go to school beforehand. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) So I just, you know, but joking aside, it was the first time I went back into the school, it did bring back memories. The library never opened again. They boarded it off for a couple of years. And so there was just this empty space that you knew what happened in there. But eventually it got you know, it got normal to the fact that it was our school. We kind of took it back in a sense. And it was something that, you know, going back to school was different. We were being watched through a microscope, you know, news reports all the time, but we were just trying to be high school kids going to school, playing football, you know, doing the things that we do. Mm -hmm. And what happened after you graduated? I went to school for a little while, started some businesses. I've been pretty entrepreneurial in my adult life. I've done a lot of speaking, traveling, advocacy on all kinds of topics. You know, I'm the people who do know me, know me from a lot of the Second Amendment or constitutional type uh, support advocacy that I do. But I actually do or have done even more work with schools and churches. And, you know, because I really do think that it's important to maintain our rights and to support gun ownership and safe gun ownership. But I also think the larger problem to really solve this issue is to the hearts and minds of the children of this nation growing up, you know, having respect for other people, having respect for themselves and their lives. And so I've done a lot of work over the years on that front. I noticed that you were on the Today Show in Australia a few years ago, which was on the anniversary of the shooting. And they were kind of rude to you. They cut you off several times when your message didn't align with theirs. And they kept saying how the problem in America is that there's so many guns, which I've heard from other people in other countries. And it just always kind of makes me laugh because at the end of the day, it's not the guns, but the people behind all of this stuff and all these other countries just act like they're so above it. But yet there's just as much corruption and murders and all of that going on. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience with that? Yeah, uh, you know, that was, it was an interesting interview and it's not the first time, you know, the majority of the interviews that I had done over the years were unfriendly. A lot of the news organizations have a political bend and an ideology that they want to push for gun control. And a lot of times I've been booked in the past with them not knowing my stances on things and they're surprised when I do start <laughs> my answering the way that I believe. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when they tried to, you know, this happened on the Today Show in Australia. It also basically happened on the Ricky Lake show. They had me on for a couple of segments and then they were like, ah, no, we, uh, we're going to switch to another guest. Um, but it's happened a lot. The fact is, though, that what they were arguing was, yeah, they got rid of guns essentially in Australia, but their crime rates have barely gone down. Mm -hmm. Um, 
their murder rates stayed essentially the same the last time I checked, you know, this was several years ago, the statistics, and that was over a 20 year span. You know, people just decided instead of using a rifle, they were going to use bats and knives or whatever means to, to murder whoever. So essentially it didn't change the outcome. And one of the, the points that I was trying to highlight with them is over the same period, our crime rates in the United States had gone down essentially the same percentage as Australia's, but we had doubled the gun ownership and guns in America. And mm-hmm. so debate is used all the time that the more guns there are, it doesn't matter. It's the people who are making the choices, you know, and I use it anecdotally at Columbine. Columbine was a, you know, in Littleton, it's a fairly conservative town when I was growing up. And there was a lot of hunters, a lot of outdoorsmen, you know, a lot of the, a lot of my friends' homes I would go into and they would have the gun cabinets, you know, made out of wood with glass and may or may not be locked. You know, it was different times mm-hmm. and there were guns everywhere. But the fact is, is I had more access probably than these two murders at Columbine to guns. And I never thought in a million years to do anything like this. So, you know, just the fact that there's a gun doesn't mean it's going to go up and do its own thing. You know, just like cars, they're not evil. They're just a piece of machinery that can be used for good or bad. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about the Boulder shooting. And one thing that just surprises me is you don't hear any media talking about, okay, well, what is the motive behind the reason why people are doing this? Because obviously there's been an uptick in mass shootings, like King Supers. There's been four in the last couple of weeks, but nobody's asking what is causing people to do this. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that that's not really a concern? It's more just, okay, well, we need to take action and ban this kind of gun or this type of ammunition or this kind of brace or anything that the shooter had, because that obviously must be the reason why this happened. But nobody's saying, well, what caused this person to just totally go haywire and decide, hey, today I'm just going to shoot a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's it. That's the point that, you know, the angry moms that run around with red shirts on, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think a lot of them may have pure hearts, but I really question the leadership and the people who are driving that organization. Yeah. Um, because I understand some of these people have been through horrific events as well. And so they are emotionally attached to something that's near to dear to them. So I don't mean to degrade them personally, but like I said, the leadership, they don't want to come up with solutions. They want to ban guns. And yeah. so they want to use these situations to pull people's emotional strings to get the results that they want. And so the fact is they don't want to talk solutions. I do. I want to talk about the fact that we have, there's probably some serious mental illness issues. I think there's not only mental illness, I think there's some spiritual illness and cultural illness in society that we need to address, but they don't want to talk these issues because that would solve the problem. And also this is the other thing that drives me crazy to all in is logically, people are going to look back at this through the lens of time and think that our society was insane. We have children who are being attacked and murdered over the last 20 years. And the first response is to try and take guns away from people who aren't doing anything, Mm -hmm. but also avoiding the fact that we need to protect our schools. The first thing 
you would think to do, even with your own children, if your children were threatened that someone was going to come harm them, the first thing you would do is find a way to give them some safety and security. Mm -hmm. And we have that, that is a conversation that is avoided from top to bottom. And that's the first thing that we need to do. I look at it through two different avenues. There's prevention, and then there's actually dealing with the situation. So yeah, there's programs that we need to do as far as building character and self-esteem and looking into mental illness and all these preventative things that we should be doing. But the fact of the matter is when the bullets stop flying, none of those programs or causes are going to do anything to stop a murderer from murdering. <laughs> so the first thing that we need to do is protect our schools, protect our churches, protect our communities. And that's why I support people carrying concealed and getting training. And that's why I support teachers being armed. That's why I really do think that part of the reasons these keep happening is because they can. Yeah. People know that they'll be able to go into a school or church or even a gun-free zone grocery center and shoot people with a good amount of time before somebody's going to confront them. Mm -hmm. If they knew that they were going to be confronted, they wouldn't try to murder these people. So the fact is, is we are allowing this to happen because we're not putting up the proper security measures in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, we're going wrong, in my view, on every level from preventative to the actual situation. And it's frustrating because I believe we could be saving lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It is amazing how there was a little bit of talk about teachers being armed and maybe heightening security or putting metal detectors at the entrance which, okay, cool, metal detectors, what good is that? They just flash the gun at the person running the metal detector and who cares? But it is kind of insane that there was a little bit of talk and then now everybody kind of forgot about it. And maybe they have resource officers, but they're unarmed. So what good is that going to do? Exactly. And it's, you know, I have two children now that aren't quite school age yet. They're young. But it's something that I'm going to take serious, uh, you know, because I look at the parents who lost children over the years and my heart breaks for them because one, they lost their child, but also because a lot of them, I, and I've spoken to many of them from Newtown to Parkland to you name it, I've had conversations with them. And every time it was something that they, you know, they'd seen things happen in the news, but they never thought that it was going to happen in their child's school. Mm -hmm. And so it's frustrating because I don't know how to wake up the people out there who do have children, who send them to schools. It is something that we need to guard against, but it is still very rare, but it's also your child's life. You know, it's something I'm taking serious. I won't be sending my kid to any school that doesn't meet my educational or security standards. And I think that's the level that every parent in America should demand. Yeah. Um, either your children. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely agree with people always think, well, it's not going to happen to me. It happens to people on the news, maybe the neighbor down the street, but it doesn't happen to you. And a lot of people, unfortunately, it has to happen to you for them to wake up. And that's another thing that I kind of just find sort of interesting is some people come out of this. Let's say you were at Columbine or at the King Supers when the shooting took place. I would imagine that I would walk out thinking, I never want to feel like that again. I felt completely helpless. There was nothing that I could have done to protect myself other than hide. And if they found me, like, I was pretty much a goner. Mm -hmm. I think I would come out of anything. I think I want to start carrying a gun on me because there's nothing else. There's no other object that I can think of that's going to give me a fighting chance where I don't have to get close to that person 
and I don't have to have a certain amount of muscle mass. It just amazes me how many people will actually leave that situation thinking, well, we need gun control when you had to have felt like a sitting duck. You don't know if they're going to shoot you next. And that's got to be the worst feeling in the world. And I just can't wrap my mind around thinking that gun control is going to help that because the guns are not the issue. It's the mental illness, the, you said, maybe low self-esteem, culture. It's a mix of all kinds of things that nobody's addressing. It is. It's not only just for my own self-protection. It was terrifying in the moment that they were firing at me, and it was terrifying when they held guns to my head. But it was more, it was maddening Yeah. when I heard these people, my classmates and friends being murdered and I was completely helpless to stop it. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I've come to grips with. And, you know, when it's my time to go, it's my time to go. But the fact that I was unable to do anything in the moment or the fact that some of these gun laws would stop someone from being able to end evil is something that is just not something I want to sign up for. Mm -hmm. And so the fact is, is these laws that are passed aren't disarming the next murderous shooter who goes into a place. You're disarming the good guy who would be able to stop it and save lives. And that's really what we really need to look at. Yeah, definitely. Evan, is there any gun laws that you are in favor of? Yeah, you know. I think the best gun control that we ever had is the Second Amendment. And that is that the government has no right to tell us how we can protect ourselves. Other than that, I really do not see any of the gun laws that have been passed in my lifetime or any of the big ones have done nothing to benefit society. I think a lot of them are just control mechanisms. And I think with the path that we're heading down, if we continue, we will see more death and destruction. I think the Second Amendment is a cornerstone or a linchpin of freedom that has helped build the greatest, most moral and profitable, prosperous society the world has ever known. And so, no, I think I will fight to the bitter end to protect people's human rights to self-defense and to gun ownership. You know, I think the founders got it right. And it is something that we need to get back to. And I think it's something that our society, the farther down we go in being morally corrupt, the more these incidences will happen and the more people may call for gun control. And so I think until we find that moral rot and get rid of it, this debate, unfortunately, is going to continue on. So you're not in favor of common sense gun laws? No, <laughs> no, that was actually, that was a great answer, but you never know. I think common sense gun laws is the second amendment. It's common sense. I know, I know. But the minute somebody does say, well, but I'm in favor of those common sense gun laws. Uh, I already know where they heard that from. And I just cringe. Yeah. Do you have any plans for the near future? Plans. Career-wise, family-wise, anything you'd uh, you like know, to share? I, I have a young family. I'm doing a lot less travel now, partly because of COVID and partly because the season of my life's changing, I guess. But uh, I have a new young startup business as well, roofandrifle.com, that I'm starting 
to build. And it's a company that is, it's a marketplace for homeowners so that they can come and find tradesmen, whether they have a project, uh, they need an electrician, a plumber, a contractor, you name it. On their house, they can find contractors who believe in liberty and believe in the second amendment. It's a nice marketplace. So you can do business with the people who are like you. It's free for you know homeowners to go and look for different things. So it's something that you know, I've been getting going. And so I'm excited about that and seeing how that develops and progresses. Wow. I really like that idea. And it's called Roof and Rifle. And they can find that at roofandrifle.com. Correct. Yeah. Awesome. And um, you know, we have some home decor stuff up there. If you want, you know, any of your listeners want to go there, there's I uh, put up a 10% off if you use the code AVA. Awesome. And, yeah, so we'll be adding new products and new decor. These are all artisans and American-made craftsmen that we'll be adding on to our product line as time goes on too. So if anyone's out there that does that kind of work, contact me. I'd love to see your, your stuff and see if we can get you in the marketplace. You know, this kind of reminds me slightly off topic, but I recently bought something off of Facebook Marketplace from mm-hmm. this lady. And I didn't really know what she looked like, but I drove to... Where was she? She was somewhere kind of in Denver and she was selling this huge plant. I really wanted it. And whatever, I'll make the drive. And right when I got there, are you an ambassador for Turning Point USA? Uh, yeah. How did you know that? <laughs> and I guess when I became an ambassador, I shared it onto my private Facebook. And yeah. when I shared it, it was public. So that's the only thing because I've always made sure that everything that's on my personal social media is private. Right. And so that was the only thing that popped up. Oh my gosh, I love Turning Point USA. And she was just talking on and on. Okay, that's cool. It's just so nice to see a younger person who has the same views as me. And it makes me feel like there's hope in the world. And, you know, and she was probably maybe early 70s, but it was just so funny. And I was just kind of like, okay, cool, but can I just buy the plant now? And (laughs) (laughs) yeah. But it is kind of nice to support people and give your business to people who have the same views as you. Yeah, well, you know, and, and that was one that was one of the reasons that I wanted to get Roof and Rifle going was, you know, there are other marketing and referral services out there, but if you actually look into their corporate structure and what they do with the millions of dollars of profits that they do, mm-hmm. they support a lot of these anti-gun exactly. you know, these organizations that are trying to disarm America, they're trying to steal away liberties. And so that was one of the things I just, you know, I want to give people an opportunity to vote with their dollars too. So hopefully people will. Absolutely. Okay. And again, roofandrifle.com. If you use the promo code AVA, A-V-A, you get 10% off. And Evan, can you just tell listeners where they can find you on social media if they'd like to follow you? Yeah, I'm up on nearly every platform out there at Evan M. Todd. It's Evan M. as in Michael Todd, T-O-D-D. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, you name it, Parlor. I'm up there. Not active on all of them so much, but yeah. And if anyone has any projects or you know things that they want to work on, please reach out. I'm always open to doing things that support liberty and freedom and the Second Amendment. Okay, cool. Well, I really appreciate your time. I'm not going to keep you for the rest of the show because I'm actually not recording the rest of the show just yet. I am leaving this Monday for a trip, but when I get back, I'm going to record the rest of the show. And then hopefully I can tell you guys, listeners, about my trip, which should be pretty fun. I'm shooting a bunch of 
cool stuff, new products with a bunch of different companies. Yeah. But I appreciate your time, Evan, and everything that you do. And it's really nice to hear somebody who has the same beliefs as I do. Now I sound like that old lady selling the plant, but <laughs> but it's true. Likewise, yeah. Likewise. I always like talking to people who have the same beliefs. <laughs> oh, now I have hope for the world. Well, that's great. I don't. This is why I'm not having kids. <laughs> <laughs> but kids um, are awesome. I know. <laughs> Okay, guys, we'll stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, guys, I'm back from my trip from American Outdoor Brands, which was a ton of fun. Went to Missouri. And I'm also joined with Jon Snow today. We're just going to finish the rest of the show. But before we get into any of that stuff, I just want to talk about my trip. American Outdoor Brands, they have so many brands underneath this company. It's incredible. They have Crimson Trace. They have Smith & Wesson accessories, Caldwell, Lockdown, all kinds of stuff. And it was a lot of fun. We did two dinners. I flew in. We had dinner that night. It was a really nice place. It was order whatever you want, open bar. I was drinking Blanton's meat just a little bit because I've been kind of sick of whiskey. So then I started drinking wine. But anyways, then the next day we went to the facility where they showed us around and they did small little mini seminars where they showed us everything that they're going to be unveiling in the next year or two, which I'm super excited about. And they really upped their game. They're doing a lot of rebranding. And they definitely, one thing that's consistent is they have that no compromise, won't settle for anything less. So they're in a lot of testing stages. And I got to say, I'm just really excited for everything to launch and for you guys to see it. And I'm sure they're not listening, but American Outdoor Brands, thanks for inviting me on this trip. It was a lot of fun probably a little too much fun. I'm actually today finally just feeling normal. It's been, when did I get back? Three days ago. I'm just now finally feeling normal and taught a class this morning and yeah. Okay. Before we get into it, got to hear from IWI, of course. They just make some really awesome stuff. The TS-12 is a really fun shotgun. It holds five rounds per tube. There's three tubes and it's really fun. And then you know what kind of tops this? And I know I'm sort of designating IWI's ad space to Manicore, but it just makes me want to shoot this gun so much more. Manicore came out with a muzzle device for it. And yeah, I'm just super excited to try those together because I've been a big fan of the TS-12. I don't know, it looks so... It looks like a space shotgun, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Definitely looks like it's out of the movie Aliens. Yeah. I don't know. It's cool. And it's like a bullpup shotgun. I would definitely check it out. I keep seeing it pop up, which is great. I just saw it on, I think, Palmetto State Armory. It's for sale. It's definitely out there and about, so you could definitely get your hands on it. Unlike a lot of these other guns out there, they seem to be definitely keeping up with production, which is great. But yeah, check them out, iwi.us. If you find any accessories while you're on that website, don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15, and that gets you 15% off. Now it's time to talk politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. John, there is so much going on this week. I don't even know where to start. Yeah, this week has been a flurry of 
activity from Washington, D.C. and other places as well. There's actually some positive stuff that's happened this week, but the biggest thing people need to know about is the executive actions that went through from the White House. Now, one thing to say is these are executive actions, not executive orders. There's a difference. Executive orders get directly entered into the Federal Register and they have immediate law consequences. Whereas executive actions, they're not actually written into the register. Basically, he takes an action and directs other things to happen. That's what he's done here. I think the reason for that is because he knows that these are going to be immediately challenged because they're not constitutional, what he's trying to do here. Mm -hmm. Going through it, he had six executive actions that he implemented immediately. There were then, of course, his renewed bids for banning assault weapons and high-capacity magazines and telling Congress that they need to pass all these different things. So there's a bunch more coming, but he was very particular that this is their initial steps. And he made a whole bunch of half-truth and false statements about guns in his speech. And it was so much so that even Politico fact-checked him as being mostly false, I know. which that in itself is incredible that they would fact check him as being mostly false on some of these statements. Mm -hmm. So that just goes to show where that's all coming from. And one of the things he said was, but no amendment, no amendment to the constitution is absolute. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. Exactly. He doesn't even understand the entire purpose of the constitution. So it's just disgusting. Did you hear the whole AFT thing as well? And then the AFT. Oh, okay. Well, what happened to the ATF? The guy's like clearly, he's clearly losing his mind. And couldn't they have found a better puppet? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, oh God. At least a less laughable puppet. I know. He's such an embarrassment. All right. So let's go through these actions. Okay. The first one is he directed the Justice Department to issue within 30 days revived rulemaking regulations to help stop the proliferation of ghost guns. Then within 60 days, they have to issue new regulations to make clear when a device marketed as a stabling brace effectively turns a pistol into a short-barreled rifle subject to the requirements of the NFA. Then within 60 days, publish red flag legislation model laws, essentially, for states to adopt. The intent there is that they're basically going to bribe states with federal money to say, hey, if you implement these model red flag laws, you can have this extra money. Mm -hmm. Invest in evidence-based community violence interventions. That's just slush funds is what they're talking about there. And the Justice Department is going to issue an annual report on firearms trafficking. Well, they already do that. This, what exactly is going to be different there? Yeah, It's hard to say. And one of the most disgusting parts of this is he nominated David Chipman to serve as the director of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms because they haven't had a permanent director in quite a while. Yeah. Although now so, it's alcohol, firearms, and tobacco, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, the memes on that one, they're fun. Yeah. Breaking these down, Both the ghost gun and brace bans, we've been expecting from them. Mm -hmm. There's no surprise there. We've known that both the ATF, the leadership at the ATF and the administration have been planning on going after those. The ghost gun one, we don't know how far they're going to try and take things. We know that they absolutely hate the idea of 3D printed firearms. 
They don't want anybody being able to make anything that they can't trace is what it comes down to. I find it very hard to believe that they would think with a rulemaking change that they could implement that though. I think at minimum, we're going to see they're going to try to ban the 80% frame plus completion kits that they did the raids on Polymer 84. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to try and say at minimum that those are now firearms, even though they're not. I think they're going to try and take it further, but how much further, I don't know, because I know they're going to want to try and go after the 3D printed, which how can you go after something that is 0% complete? Yeah, exactly. I know. And then pistol braces sounds like they're just trying to pull the same thing that they did last year, which is kind of interesting because they obviously withdrew because of all the complaints that they received. So it's funny that they're trying to do this again, but we kind of expected that also. We knew that this wasn't going to be the end of it. Yeah. We knew when we had enough people to get the motor withdrawal before that they were going to come back with it. I honestly don't think that they're going to try to be any more clear in what they issue this time. I think they're going to be even more vague and based on secret rules because they are under the direction of administration who is nothing but hostile to the industry Mm -hmm. and the people who have them. And their whole intent with this, we know isn't to actually stop crime. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I even told my class this morning, if this was about saving lives, they would highly reconsider swimming pools because swimming pools have killed more people than guns have. Yep. So this this has nothing to do with saving lives. It's just basically disarming America. Yeah. More people are killed with knives, with bare fists every year. The problem is the actions of people Mm -hmm. and it's not the guns. Yeah, exactly. And they discount the millions of times that firearms are used defensively every Mm -hmm. year. How many people are saved by those instances? Exactly. But the whole goal there is they want to make everyone scared of, do I have a brace that's illegal or not? And so that they'll take that carrot of- Which is going to be really interesting for them to implement because there's so many braces out there. And I have no idea how they're going to trace them all. There's just, yeah, there's no way. All right. Talk about red flag laws. Yeah. On red flag laws, they're going to take states, probably some of the most restrictive states as models and start from there and probably make them even worse. States like Colorado has them already. Washington, where I'm at, has them already. Those ones, they're probably going to be going even more restrictive. I would say they're probably going to take stuff from states like Massachusetts, where things are even more restrictive. And it's not that they're going to be implemented at a federal level. It's Mm -hmm. that they're going to give the money to these states if they go with these model laws and implement them. Now, some states are absolutely not going to do that. There's a handful of states that lately have been pulling back on some of these. There's even been a couple of states that have passed laws that say, it's illegal for any of this new federal gun control to be enforced in their state. I think there's going to be more of that happen as a result of all this. But the red flag laws, this one is really pretty dangerous because we know from states that have it that at least two thirds of the calls for red flag laws are malicious with no justification. They're simply somebody trying to get back at someone. Well, even just now, I forgot that the red flag law went in effect here in Colorado. And man, there's so many people I could be calling now to screw with. <laughs> and that's exactly it. So oh, I many know. of the I know. instances are that. Yeah, I know. And then not to mention a number of people have died as a result of the red flag laws. And yeah, yeah it's stupid. I don't really think it's going to resolve anything. No. What about but- investigating evidence-based community violence? 
those programs. I don't understand completely what they're trying yeah, to do there. And no one does. That's the thing. These types of programs, these are slush fund programs for liberal inner city type areas where they come up with these programs but they don't actually do anything really constructive. They don't mm-hmm. try to improve anything for the people in the community. It's just more liberal buyouts that are going in yeah. there. And so that's not going to do anything to help anybody. Yeah, I hear but you. What and- exactly they are at this point, we don't know the names of any of them. It's just that they're coming. Yeah, it's like so. that that fluff that they just added. And then exactly. David Chipman. Yeah, so David Chipman, this guy is dangerous. Yeah, he's just disgraceful. It's incredible to me how people with just disgraceful track records are in charge at the ATF. Right now, the guy who's been the number two at the ATF, Marvin Richardson, he received a medal for his actions at Waco years ago, where granted the Branch Davidians were not innocent and there was definitely some bad stuff happening there. But most of what the government used as justification to go in to Waco was later proved to not be true and that they made a bunch of false statements. Also, they burned women and children alive. Mm -hmm. This is one of the most disgraceful actions that the government has taken in years. And the people who were involved are now running the ATF. And Chipman was another agent at the Waco incident there. I'm not sure exactly the role that he had at Waco. I was not able to find anything definitive on that, but he was definitely a case agent for the Waco massacre. There's a picture circulating right now that looks kind of like a young him. I'm not certain it's him or not, but it could be. And we've all seen these pictures before, if you've done any looking on the Waco incident of the agents posing in front of the burnt out buildings, and there's bodies that are charred of children right behind them Mm -hmm. and they're posing for these trophy pictures. It's just disgusting. Yeah. He's also made lots of very false statements about what happened at Waco multiple times throughout the years. Just a couple of years ago, he was pushing the idea that the Branch Davidians used two Barrett 50 BMGs to shoot down two of the choppers. Yes, they did exchange gunfire with the helicopters. Yes, there was a little bit of damage. Nothing was shot down. And after the government went in, there were no Barrett 50s found. The guy has been lying about so many things when he's testified before Congress in the past that it's just reprehensible. I also found mention that he was somehow involved with the Ruby Ridge standoff, which I remember hearing about because when I was younger in my area, and again, there, the government manipulated Randy Weaver into doing these illegal gun modifications for them. And then when he didn't show up for court because he thought that something was going on, they showed up and shot his wife and then there was the standoff. Well, in the end, they ended up losing the court battle because everything that they had done was not legal and they had set him up for all these things. And it's just, we've got people who are clearly 100% anti-gun now in leadership roles of an agency and they're trying to put the wolves out and come after everybody. And since he left the ATF, he's been an anti-gun lobbyist for the Marriage Against Illegal Guns, the Gifford Law Center. He worked for the company Shot Spotter, which puts microphones all over cities to detect where shots come from. 
and he's just been lobbying on behalf of these different groups for gun control. He's made tons of statements that AR-15s are exactly the same as military weapons and need to be banned. Yeah, so it's just just basically, it's not looking good for gun owners right now. True, very true. But we're still not done. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody needs to keep writing to their representatives. Let them know that you're against all of this. Very specifically, immediately, we need to write our senators and tell them to oppose Chipman's nomination as the head of the ATF. Yeah. We probably don't have any chance there because they're going to vote it along party lines, but... It's still good to know that this is what the people don't want. Exactly. And the thing is, we need to be on record on all of this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. especially when these new regulations come up for comment. Well, if they come up for comment, I'm concerned that they might even push them through without comment. Whether they do go up for comment or not, they're not going to take the comments into account like they would have in a different administration. But every comment that we have on there on record opposing it is going to be good for us when we go to fight it in court because we're going to have to immediately fight those in court. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right, moving forward, Manticore Arms. I already dropped the news when talking about the IWI TS-12. Manticore Arms has a new muzzle brake for it. It really adds to the space gun look as well as being effective at reducing recoil. I personally can't wait to try one out. One of the great things about it is you can still use chokes on the gun with the muzzle brake. I've definitely got to say Manticore makes some of the best muzzle devices. If you want to look like a, excuse my language, badass and shoot really well with very little effort, Definitely try out their muzzle devices. It makes the gun so much more of a flat shooter. It's really effective. All the more reason to check that out. That is at manorcorearms.com. If you find something you like, the code has changed just because they just got a new website. It looks awesome. The code is AvaRocks15. I did not pick that code. Sven from Manicore Arms did. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's AvaRocks15, and that gets you a 15% off. Today's Q&A. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Now that you have shot the P365, the Hellcat, and Shield Plus, which is your favorite and why? Hmm. That is a good question, actually. I actually have gotten that question quite a few times on my YouTube channel. Personally, out of the three, the Hellcat, I personally think is the snappiest. I don't really, I don't love it. I think it does make a good concealed carry gun. It holds a lot of rounds, but I don't know. I think out of all three, it definitely has the most recoil. The P365 is pretty good. And the Shield Plus, I got to say, actually, the Shield Plus, I think out of all of them feels like I'm shooting more of a full-size gun than a micro compact pistol. I don't know. John, what would you say? Yeah, I agree on pretty much all of that, really. I've been carrying a P365 for the past couple of years now, actually a P365 XL. And I've been carrying that one because it's shot for me much better than the Hellcat. Mm-hmm. I agree. The Hellcat was by far the snappier of the two. I still carry the Hellcat though. I use it as my running gun. But the P365, I felt, always shot better for me. The Shield Plus, though, I'm going to make the Shield Plus my primary carry gun here fairly shortly, as soon as I can get some more magazines for it. 
I got the performance center edition mm-hmm. that's optic ready. And I really like that one. The only thing that I wish about it was that it had just a hint longer grip, like the P365 XL does. Yeah. But the big thing for me on the shield is it shoots just as nice as the P365 XL. And it's got a lot nicer trigger out of the factory. But for me, the real selling point is that you get to keep those rear irons on the back of it, unlike the P365 XL. Yeah, definitely. And so I can just come on target quicker with those. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I couldn't agree more. The Shield Plus that I have, it's not the Performance Center Edition, but I always am a fan of sites that can co-witness with the red dot. I just think that that's a must at this point. If the gun is optic ready, I feel like they should already have those sights on it, the higher race sights. Yep. And then also what's kind of interesting is I don't know what is going on with the first gen Hellcat that I have, but I cannot shoot a freaking bullseye to save my life. And this is the only gun has probably the sights, even though when I did the review on the Hellcat RDP and I co-witnessed the sights with the red dot and I was able to shoot pretty well. But I thought maybe it was just the sights themselves that was throwing me off. So I changed the sights. I still can't hit anything with this. I don't know if there's something up with the rifling in the barrel or it is so far off. It's not even slightly off. Eh, you know, I'm hitting low to the left or whatever. Did that even hit the paper? (laughs) It's the weirdest thing. So I have to do a little bit more testing on it to see exactly what's going on with that. But that's been my case with the first Hellcat that I have. Yeah, I would say if you go with the P365 or the Shield Plus, I don't think you'd be dissatisfied whatsoever. Yep. All right. Primary arms. As I mentioned before, I've been revamping my PAP, my Century Arms PAP. You never know what people might think. Not my PAP schmear. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I've been adding several things from Primary Arms to it. The U.S. Palm Banana Magazine was really cool. That just made a really good addition. It makes you grin every time you see it just because it's just a really cool magazine. It's the really tough polymer design the U.S. Palm is famous for with steel lips for extra durability. And the patch that comes with it is also awesome. Definitely check that out. I also added one of the SLX MD-20 micro red dots to it. Those things are awesome. They're compact and just amazing for the money. They sit really low so that you can still co-witness on a lot of the factory irons and auto live is just essential. And even though it has a built-in mount, I still got a free mount with the code AVA, A-V-A, which is also cool because I have other optics that totally need mounts. If you guys also want to get an optic for whatever gun out there, even if you already have a mount for it, don't forget to use the code AVA, A-V-A, and that gets you a free mount with every primary arms optic that you buy. Tacti Talk. Tacti Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Today we're going to be discussing the Surefire XSC Weapon Light, which is now available. Surefire actually announced their new XSC weapon light last year, but ran into battery supply problems because of COVID. They're now finally shipping the new lights and you can get your hands on them. The XSC line of lights are designed specifically for the micro compact pistols like the P365 Hellcat, the Glock 43X, 
Most smaller weapon lights for compact pistols are only about 100 lumens, which is better than nothing, but not really bright enough. The XSC is 350 lumens, though, so it's a lot of light in a small package. It's supposed to fully illuminate a target at 25 yards in complete darkness. Surefire says it's the world's first duty-grade micro-compact concealed carry weapon light family. It's made from rugged aluminum, so it's supposed to be virtually indestructible as well as waterproof. Controls on it are ambidextrous. They have models for precise fits, like I said before, Glock 43X, 48, the P365, the Hellcat. It looks pretty promising. Have you had a chance to check this out? I have. I was just looking at these the other day. I got my Shield 9 Performance Center, like I said, and I picked up the Recover Tactical rail that mm-hmm. clamps onto it Yeah, with the intention of getting one like this because the standard little 100 lumen ones are just really not enough. And so something like this is an ideal candidate to go on it. Yeah. It should fit perfectly because it's just another Picatinny rail. MSRP on this is $329, which I don't know. I guess I don't really pay too much attention to the price of the lights on the market. Is that fairly comparable or? It's fairly comparable for the high-end ones. Okay. It's on par with the good competition of really solid quality weapon lights like Streamlight, Streamlight and Surefire, they're the ones that you really want to bet on. Some of the others, they're effective in certain ones, but these are the tried and true ones. And one of these compact ones that has a higher output like this, you'll find it street price a little bit lower than that. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And MSRP doesn't always mean that that's what you're going to pay for. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Stupid. Funny. Cool. Interesting. Awesome. As. F- Never mind. AF. Georgia man's final paycheck delivered in pennies. Hmm. He must have made somebody mad. Andreas Flatten left his job at a OK Walker Auto Works late last year and expected a final paycheck. After a few months without receiving it, he inquired with the Georgia Department of Labor to see if they could help him get the money he was owed. He recently received the $915 that he was owed by his former employer, but it's taken a lot more work to cash all of it in. The money, 91,500 pennies, was dropped off at the end of his driveway this month. All of them were covered in some sort of greasy mess. Man, this is a really jerk move. When he discovered them, his final paycheck had a note on the top FU. Flatten said he left the auto shop because of a toxic work environment, noting he thinks the person behind the penny drop is owner Miles Walker. I don't know if I did that or not, Walker responded. I don't really remember. It doesn't matter. He got paid. That's all that matters. He's a blank F blank weenie for even bringing it up. I don't know. I think I would be pretty mad. (laughs) Uh, Just several hundred pennies, maybe a few dollars, took about an hour and a half to clean up to be deposited. Washington-based Coinstar heard this story and the company decided that a change was in order. They picked up Flatten's coins on Thursday and rounded up the amount to give him a $1,000 paycheck. They also made donations to two animal shelters on Flatten's behalf. It could have been a lot more work, but sorting through the pennies could have made him even more money. There could have been rare ones. Also, any that are from 1982 or older are all copper and worth around 2.4 cents just for the metal. Just the same, though, when someone leaves a job, just give them a regular check. 
But what I don't understand is the story didn't go into detail exactly what happened and what were the terms when he left. And somebody would really, really have to do something horrible for me to do that, especially to cover. It's bad enough you're getting paid in pennies, but to cover them in a greasy mess. Yeah, this guy sounds like a real jerk. Yeah, no kidding. And then I don't know, maybe I did it. Maybe I didn't. I I don't really know. I mean, he got paid. So whatever. (laughs) Yeah. What a jerk. Yeah. As far as the rare pennies, though, it's funny because I have a friend during COVID. She was so bored that she went through her coin jar and looked at pennies and she actually found a rare penny. Yep. It's more common than you think. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever be that bored, but who knows? I've got a lot of things to do before I get that bored. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. I was planning on cleaning all my guns and I didn't really make that happen either. I'd probably clean my guns before I'd look through pennies. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, it's time to wrap up. This review actually came to me via email, but I figured I'd read it. First review. And actually, also, I wanted to add this because other than that, we only had one review left. They would automatically be the winner. And I don't know. I kind of figured it'd be nice to go up against somebody. So that's also why I added this. So guys, if you haven't left a review, now is the perfect time because we're all out and you might be next week's winner. Today's email that I got was Sean C, episode 187, five stars. Hi, Ava. I'm a Canadian and I listen to your podcast regularly. I would be a 2A advocate if Canada had such a thing, which unfortunately we don't. Similar to Boulder, in April of 2020, there was a mass shooting in Canada. The guy was a known crazy person who had a bone to pick with everyone. In Canada, we have federal gun laws, no separate laws for each province. And gun owners require a PAL, restricted PAL, to buy, own handguns and semi-auto rifles. This guy had no license. He did not pass our national background check, yet he used guns that he bought in the U.S. and smuggled back. This proves your point that background checks can't prevent a person from committing violence if they so desire. So during the pandemic, our former drama teacher, Prime Minister, decided while our parliament was suspended to ban all ARs as well as anything remotely resembling an AR, even shotguns and 22s. In total, 1,500 rifles were reclassified and prohibited, meaning they can't be removed from your house and cannot be used. Interesting. So they can't be removed, but they also can't be used. So they essentially just become... Yeah, they've got a very sticky legal situation. Yeah, no kidding. He is planning a buyback, quote-unquote, confiscation, which is expected to cost upwards of $1 billion. Jeez. This is a dangerous president that is using a tragedy to pass a political agenda without any debate within our government. No democratic due process whatsoever. Now they're tabling a law that will attempt to completely disarm Canadians. Sport shooters and hunters will all be caught up in this mass confiscation. Our NRA, who is the CCFR, is taking the government to court, but that will take time. I sympathize with your law-abiding American firearm owners. I will stand to lose two ARs, one of which is a 22, and potentially four handguns. Governments that circumvent democratic due process are dangerous, as history has proven. I could go on for hours about this issue, but suffice to say that there are many Canadian law-abiding gun owners that are having their rights infringed and their property seized. Keep fighting the good fight, Sean. And he is from Ontario, Canada. It's so crazy. I don't understand how any of this could be even legal. It's not. And that's the bottom line. I know. But even with COVID in the last couple of years, things that I thought people wouldn't put up with, they're all just kind of going along with it like sheep. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sad. And it's also scary that we're at such a point now where 
this is slightly off topic, but this morning I was listening to the news and I guess 48% of the military refuses to get the COVID vaccine. And I kind of chuckled because, well, what does that say? They literally do not trust their government or their employer. Yeah. It's just incredible. And they'll probably kick them out because of that. I know. Because under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, they do not have a choice if they deem that to be a lawful order. Yeah. And then also, at least they're doing a buyback, which if you look at bump stocks, they didn't do a buyback, which is total BS because people spent their hard-earned money on bump stocks, which are like, what, average of 500? And now they're just expected to throw that property away or destroy it or whatever. But I can't imagine the buyback program would actually give you what it's actually worth. No, never. Yeah. It's just, ugh. I just, I really hope that the U.S. doesn't go down this rabbit hole, but I feel like we are just so quickly and it's just so depressing and it stresses me out. Yeah. It'll be a while till we get to the way things are in Canada. I don't know. I don't know. Things are coming left and right. And at this point, I feel like the government's just starting fires all over the place so that if we are trying to stay on top of things, uh, uh, we're all over the place and it's hard to concentrate on one thing when they're coming at us from all angles. And I think it's just a matter of time, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Second review, Ben434. Awesome five stars. Awesome show I stumbled on. Great variety of guests and coverage of important events in the 2A world. All right, John, who do you think should be the winner? I think we got to go with our friend in Canada. I know. I feel like we need to throw him a bone, right? Yep. (laughs) All right, Sean, contact me. Just go to gunfunny.com. Click on the contact us form and let me know which calendar you would like either the Ava Flannel calendar or the Gun Funny podcast calendar, which is me dressed up like a bunny and everything, which actually came in handy during Easter when I had a post on social media. (laughs) Anyways, it's time to wrap up. Guys, you can find me at gunfunny.com. There's links to everything. If you enjoy the show and you want to support it, you can make a one-time donation or a monthly donation. To do so, just go to gunfunny.com, click on the support the show link, And there's a bunch of different options there. Also, Blown Deadline, he's giving away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky Patreon every month. So you can get an awesome Cerakote job. He is one of the best in the industry. He does stuff that nobody else is doing. Also, $5 up Patreons after three months, you get a Patreon-only patch that will never be for sale. So if you have this patch, it means that at one point or another, you are or were a Patreon. I also want to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Joe Lyons, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Joshua Hamp, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Calamore, and Melissa Ridings. John Snow, he wants me to say, Superman and Operator Tickles once had a friendly sparring contest. The loser had to wear their underpants on the outside. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I have no idea where you come up with these things, but just hilarious. Anyways, John, thanks for joining me for the second half of the show. And Evan, you can't hear this. You're not here with me, but really appreciate what you're doing as well. Definitely go follow him on social media. And on that note, I am going to enjoy the rest of my weekend and maybe do some gardening before snow comes in the next couple of days because today's 67, but two days from now, it's going to be in the 30s. (laughs) Oh, I know. I can't wait. It's great. So over the snow. On that note, I hope you enjoy your weekend. I hope everyone else is enjoying their Monday when the show drops. And I will see you guys next week.
Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact. <laughs>